Am I on? All right. Thank you for that song. Uh, I can remember some of my first church memories memories being in a church like that. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, seemed like I was always in trouble, just throwing rocks at the outhouse. I don't understand why that upset people so much, but they didn't like it. Anyway, let's open to Jonah chapter 3. I wanted to say a word of thank you for all the help, for all the, the food, uh, uh, for uh, Rusty Willette's, uh, Willette family's funeral and feeding them. The whole family expressed a great appreciation for that, and I appreciate that for all your hard work. I know we have another funeral for Jim White. It starts at 1130 in some morning, and then the family wants to eat at 1230. Where Miss Sandy go? You're still needing some rolls and some desserts? Okay, because they're going to feed about a hundred is what they said. So, Okay. All right. So if you want to make a dessert for that, have it here before uh, 1230. So appreciate all the work for that and uh, uh, the ministry that you do to those families. Let's, let's go to Jonah chapter 3. I'm just going to read verse 1, and it sort of uh, gives me the theme for our message this morning. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, the Sunday school hour, the prayers that have been lifted up, the taking of your tithes and offerings, Lord, uh, for the special music. Uh, Father, uh, you've blessed us in so many ways already today. Now bless us in a special way by speaking to our hearts and minds through your Holy Spirit by your word. Let your word go forth in power. Let it accomplish what you want it to. Touch lives, Lord. Bring us to an understanding of what you would have us to do this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to obey you that we'd be faithful doers of the word and not forgetful hearers. And Lord, as you do this for us, we'll praise your holy name and leave this place with joy in our hearts, knowing that we have met with you. And that makes all the difference in our lives. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to look at a few scriptures out of Jonah. I know I, I did a sermon not long ago by Jonah, and this one's different. And basically, it's the God of the second chance is what we're preaching about this morning. And... Uh, as a young pastor, I had several people say some things to me that were a little disturbing to me, even sometimes as I got older. And it went something like this. Brother Gary, I really like you. I'm going to support you as long as you don't disappoint me. Now, I know what they meant. They meant don't fall into some lacks of sin like some other pastors had done. But the way I took it was, don't disappoint me. Because I thought, well, of course I'm going to disappoint you. I'm a sinner. I disappoint people all the time. Right? And their view of it was this. You got one chance with me. If you mess that up, I'm done. I'll tell you like it is, but I'm done. Well, I don't know about you. I think I know. But I'm glad our God isn't that way. See, our God is the God of a second chance. Now, by that I mean this. Repentance leads to restoration with our God. 
Repentance leads to restoration with our God. You see, God doesn't utterly reject us when we mess up, when we sin, when we, when we fail. Rather, when we truly repent, He restores us. Because He is the God of the second chance. And the book of Jonah illustrates that in a lot of different ways. The first thing I want you to do is to remember that Jonah was blessed with a second chance. We read that in chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah was blessed with a second chance. Here's what I mean. Point A, if you're taking notes or want to take notes, would be this. Jonah had been obviously and totally disobedient. You remember the story? He'd been obviously and totally disobedient. Now, what do I mean by that? You see, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, He knew it was God speaking. Everybody look at me. You will know when God talks to your heart. You won't have any doubt understanding it. When God speaks, he makes himself known. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3 starts off with a word that you always need to look before and after when you see it in Scripture. But, but, but Jonah, what did Jonah do? Jonah goes down to Joppa. Jonah hires a ship going to Tarshish, the opposite direction from Nineveh. But Jonah boarded the ship. But Jonah decided, I ain't doing it. He'd been obviously and totally disobedient. Okay? And he'd been given a second chance by the time we get to chapter 3. But you see, he'd been so disobedient. Now, I want you to think about how brash this is. In our day, it'd be you're a preacher or you're a deacon. You're a Sunday school. I'm going to take it down a little another. You're a Christian. And you hear from the Lord. And God says, do this. And you flaunt it and say, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I had planned. That's not what I want to do. That goes against the plans I had and the goals I had. And God, you're just out of luck. That's what Jonah did. Does that shock you? That we could do that to the one true God? The one who spread his arms and died on the cross for us? And we'd say, uh-uh. No. And we'd run the other way. See, the problem was, point B, Jonah was only concerned with his selfish desires. He was only concerned with his selfish desires. He didn't care if all of Nineveh was wiped off the face of the earth. All he cared about was his little Jewish nation and the few people he knew. And if God wanted to prophesy to them, he'd do that because they were God's chosen people. But those folks over there are heathens. Or as one of my favorite preachers used to say, heathens. So you got heathens and then you got the bad ones. They're heathens. But he was so absorbed with what he wanted that he didn't care what God wanted. Now, I got a little spiritual truth for you. Anytime a Baptist church looks inward instead of outward, they're guilty of the same sin as Jonah. Selfishness. You see, our look has to be outward because we live in a lost world. We're to share the gospel with them. Jesus didn't say, gather in holy huddles and hope for the best. He said, attack the gates of hell. Read your Bible. That's what he said. And Jonah was totally absorbed in his own selfish desires. Not only that, 
Jonah experienced the chastisement, point C. Jonah experienced the chastisement of a loving heavenly father. Jonah experienced the chastisement of a loving heavenly father. If you don't know what chastisement is, it's like this. You mess up and your parents spank you. I don't even know if parents do that anymore. Some of them do. Uh, Elizabeth killed more switch trees than any person in North Arkansas. That's what her mama told me. Right? It's true. Her mama make her go out and get a switch. Poor little switch tree. It never got over this tall. <laughs> Y'all think I'm teasing. She's a sweetheart, but my goodness. She didn't get as many spankings as I did, by the way. And so what happens when he experiences chastisement? See, we had the but Jonah, and how does God respond? In verse 4, chapter 1 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind, a great storm upon the sea. But the Lord caused him to be tossed overboard. But the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow him. You see, when we do the but with God, but I'm not going to do that, he says, but we shall see. If you're his child, you better get ready. Chastisement is coming. If you know Jesus is Savior and you keep telling God no, he says, we shall see. And I want to tell you something. When he says, but we shall see, you better pay attention because his is what's going to happen. See, we need to understand that. He was blessed with a second chance, but he experienced chastisement. I've shared my call experience sometimes before, but there's some things I never did tell you. You see, when I was 12 years old and reading my Bible, and we had RAs at that time, I knew God was calling me to do something. I was pretty sure He was calling me to be a pastor. That bothered me to no end. By the time I was 13, He was keeping me up at night when I'd read my Bible. And I decided, God... I've already got my plans. I like what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a lawyer. I could argue with anybody. Right, Elizabeth? You need to understand that. And my mama was happy. My daddy was happy. Everybody was happy. I was content with just doing my own thing. Let me dabble in this, hunt a little bit, fish a little bit. I just thought I'll make a little bit of money as a lawyer and I'll get me a cabin in the woods and I'll be happy. And God said, but Gary... And so I didn't surrender until I was 17 after knowing that. And I tried to get as far away from God just like Jonah did as I could. And what I found out is you can't get away from God. What I found out is the longer you resist Him, the worse the chastisement gets. God had to break me down, literally, physically, spiritually. He had to take away the things that I loved to do where I could not do those so that I would listen. In a period of... Probably three months. As I'd turned 17 and told God no again, he said, we'll see. I wrecked my car. That wasn't bad enough. I wrecked my knee. That wasn't bad enough. I wrecked my ankle. I spent almost 16 weeks on crutches because I kept telling God no. And finally, went back to church. That's funny. <laughs> I went back to church, and I said, God, if you'll just quit whipping me, I'll do whatever you want. 
And what I've learned is this. The only reason he asks us to do stuff is because he loves us. He knows what's best for us. And if we're smart, we don't do like Jonah or like me and run. You say, yes, Lord. Now, my question for you this morning is very simple. If you told God no, and now you're just sort of flaunting it in his face, that disobedience, that sin, don't worry. Storm clouds are coming. Hey, maybe you're pursuing your own selfish desires, and God says, I've got something better for you, and you're not listening. Don't worry. The storms are coming. The great fish is being prepared. Maybe you're living under God's hand of chastisement right now, and you just keep saying, no, 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 and you keep going this way or that way, and you'll come to church occasionally that will satisfy you, God, I've done enough. And God says, that's not what I told you to do. Don't worry. Three days in the fish of a belly, and you'll change your mind too. Belly of a fish, I think it's the way it's supposed to go. Did you see? Our God is a God of a second chance. He could have written Jonah off. Jonah could have stayed in that fish's fish's belly until he was digested. You ever thought about that? That would been good enough for him. I mean, here you're supposed to be a prophet of God, sharing the one true God with the world. A bunch of heathens need to know about God. And, and you say, no, let them go to hell. And God says, okay, I'll send you there first. Psst. See, you like the fish's belly. But he didn't. Because our God's the God of the second chance. How did it happen? Well, that's point number two. Roman number two. Jonah cried out for mercy. Jonah cried out for mercy. If you're taking notes, chapter 2, verse 7, Jonah says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. In other words, God finally got him alone. God finally had him trapped. God had him where he couldn't get loose. Can you imagine what it would be like in the fish's belly? You say, do you really believe that happened? I sure do. I don't know what kind of fish it was, but can you imagine stretching in that belly? How many of you ever cleaned a fish? What's that smell like? And, and any good fisherman does this for y'all that don't know. But when you get in there, you see what's in their stomach. You either mash it or cut it, see what they're eating, so you'll know what to catch them on. And can you imagine if God opened that fish up and out pops Jonah? What a look. But see, he cries out for mercy. And the God of a second chance gives him mercy. Do we understand that? You see... Did you notice that Jonah in verse 3 is not only, or chapter 3, he's not only forgiven, he's restored. What do I mean by that? He's recommissioned as a prophet. That's what I mean. He's not only forgiven, he's restored. Because it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. There it is. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message I tell you. And Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. So, He's not only forgiven, he's restored. Doesn't that sound great? God doesn't hold it over us. Do you hear me? God doesn't say, I knew I'd get you back here. He says, welcome back, child. And he opens his arms. And he restores us in our relationship to what we're supposed to be doing. But not only that, point B would be, Jonah at this point was eager to obey quickly. It says, and Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Duh. You almost drowned. Think about it, because when you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, it says he sank down into the depths of the sea, and somewhere down there in that seaweed, when he thought he was going to die, 
That's my sound. You can make your own fish sound. It swallowed him. Jonah was a good Baptist preacher. He even made the fish sick. Y'all catch that later. You see, God's giving him a second chance, and he's eager to obey, so he goes. And notice, when point C is when Jonah was obedient, when Jonah was obedient to the task, he was so successful. The whole city, from the king on down, turns and repents, and they have a citywide revival. And the king represented the nation. The Ninevites are repenting. Because Jonah got a second chance. If you're here this morning and you need a second chance, guess what? God wants to give you a second chance. Now I'm going to ask you some questions and see if you're sharp enough. Do you believe, I mean really believe down in your core, that our God is omniscient? That means all-knowing. He knows everything. Say amen. Amen. Let's say it again. Do you really, really believe our God knows everything? The word is omniscient. That's one of your words for today. Do we really believe that our God is omnipotent? That means all-powerful. In other words, nothing's too hard for God. Say amen. Amen. Do you believe God is omnipresent? I mean, he's always with us. It means that he can be with me and you at the same time because God is God. Now, I'm going to ask you something. If we believe that that kind of God is the God we serve, why do we throw a fit, run, and act like he's not fair when he wants us to do something? Because we not smart. You see, don't we understand that if God calls us to do it, He's going to equip us, empower us, and provide what we need to do it? You need to understand, I didn't want to be a pastor because I didn't want to be in front of people. My whole life was spent like this. From the time I was in grade school through high school, I sit at the back of the room. I do not participate in class. Had some little teacher trying to make me participate in class. She stopped trying to make me when I put the snake in her drawer. Now, I got a bad spanking. Kids don't do that. I almost flunked the class, so don't do that. But that was my reaction. Just leave me alone. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't like people. I definitely didn't like pastors, the ones I knew them. I was always in trouble around, usually because I ran around with their kids. That's an excuse. I was just always in trouble. And now I am a pastor. Let me tell you what I've discovered. I've been more blessed and had more fun being around God's people, seeing people saved, seeing people's lives put back together, watching God work through somebody like me than I could have done anything else in the world. God knew what would make me happy. He knew before I was born, what he intended for me to do, and he does the same thing for you. Quit fighting it. I don't want to be a preacher. I didn't say you would be. But maybe he's just got something for you to do in your neighborhood. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your school. The whole point is, don't try to run from God. He'll take care of you if you trust him. 
So Jonah was obviously disobedient. He cried out for mercy. The third thing is this. You realize the apostle Peter had the privilege of a second chance also. Do you remember Peter? He had the, the privilege of a second chance also. Now think about it. Point A, Peter was the spokesman for the apostles. I mean, when you look, he's the one that's always putting his foot in the mouth. Because nobody else is going to say anything, Peter's going to speak up. Everybody else sits there and says, let's let Peter make a fool of himself, and then we'll say the right thing. <laughs> they had to have been good Baptists. When you read the book of Acts, he takes the leadership role. till Paul comes on the scene, and then it switches to Paul and the Gentiles. Not only that, in Matthew 26, Peter bragged about his loyalty to Christ. In Matthew 26, verses 33 and 34, what he says is this. I'm going to recount it. Jesus has told him, you're all going to leave. You're going to be scattered. It's written down in Scripture. Not me. Even if I have to die, I'll never leave you. And he meant every word of it. Big bad Peter was put to the test and ran from a little servant girl. How do I know that? Because also in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 69, Peter denied Jesus, and he didn't even deny him that he knew him. He denied it with a curse. They kept bugging him. They kept asking him. By the third time, he just says a curse word. We're not told in the Greek. He says with a curse, with an oath. I told you I don't know him. And about that time, if you read John, he caught Jesus' eyes and the rooster crows. He said, I denied him three times. And he goes out and he weeps bitterly. So don't think you're alone. Don't think that everybody doesn't need second chances. Don't think that God won't get, give it to you. You see, in the storm of life is there on you, repent. Come back to God. If you see the storm clouds on the horizon or you feel the wind blowing and the rain starting to fall, come back to God. He's the God of the second chance. It's time to renew, to rededicate, to recommit. He'll give you one. Okay? Do we understand that? You see, Jesus gave Peter special attention after the resurrection. Think about it. He gave Jesus special attention. In Mark 16, verse 7, the angel is talking to the ladies and said, But you go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you'll see him. He pointed Peter out. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? To reinstate him. He denied three times. He asked him three times to reaffirm his commitment. and said, then you follow me. He said, well, what about John? What, if I, what about him? He said, don't worry about him. You follow me. That's our command. Don't worry about anybody else. We follow Jesus. See, he gave him the second chance. Will you accept the grace from God that he offers you a second chance? See, that's my, that's my fourth point. I want you to listen to it. Some of you need to give God a second chance. Did you hear that? Some of you need to give God a second chance. Here's what I mean by that. There was a time early in your life when you let God use your talents. Your prayer life, you were scared to death, but you used your talents. You studied your Bible. You told others about Jesus. You served in the church. And then something happened. I don't know, maybe you were tired and quit doing that. I've done my time. Maybe the church hurts you. Churches can do that. I want to tell you something. If you've got a chip on your shoulder, go to the Baptist church. First person you meet will knock it off. Okay? And they'll, they'll delight in doing it. 
As I said before, I'm not surprised by what lost people do to me, but I'm shocked by what Christian people do. But some of you have neglected those former things. You've lost your peace. The joy of your salvation doesn't warm your hearts. The things of God and His church don't really interest you. You come occasionally, but, you know, I don't want to be that involved. And I want to tell you something. You need to give God a second chance. He sends storms into my life. He's going to send storms into your life. Chastisement is judgment. God judges His people not for punishment to bring them back in love to Him. Do you think it was coincidence that that prodigal son ran out of money and had to feed pigs because there was a famine in the land as soon as he runs out of money? No, God arranged that famine to bring him back. And when he came back, the father didn't scold him. The father opened his arms, hugged him, kissed his cheek, said, bring out the best robe and put it on him, put sandals on his feet, put the ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf. My son, which is lost, is found. Let's have a party. That's the God of the second chance. Will you give him a chance as surely as he's given you a chance? Will you come today and remember your God? Some people are mad at God about the way life turns out. I don't know why. He's blessed us beyond measure. Here's what Hebrews chapter 6.10 says. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. God is not unjust. God has it written down. You may have not got the recognition. You may have not gotten the, uh, the commendation that you deserve here. But guess what? This isn't your crowning day yet. I watched my dear father-in-law over two years die slowly of cancer. Kill my soul. I was so mad at God. How can somebody serve almost 60 years as a pastor and serve faithfully and then God let that happen to them? Couldn't just take him quickly. He never lost his smile. He never lost the praise off his lips. You walk in, he said, well, there's Gary. I can still remember that, Elizabeth. Don't cry. You make me cry. And I was so mad at God. Anybody but him. I'd seen him go through so much. I'd told people for years that bad things happen to good people because we live in a sin-filled world. But I'd forgotten. And so one night I had a dream. And Brother Chris said, I'm okay, I'm home. And God spoke to my heart that morning as I opened the Bible. You don't worry about what happened here. He had his crowning day when he got here. He's in glory. All the rewards, because he was a soul winner. Soul winner's crown's what he's wearing now. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to listen carefully. Some of you don't know what a second chance is because you've never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior. And you need to come up here and let me tell you from Scripture how to do that and pray and ask Christ to forgive you your sins. 
Some need to come in rededication. You can call it recommitment. You can call it renewal. I don't know what you want to call it. But you need to come back and say, God, I need a second chance. Not that I've been doing gross, immoral sins, but Lord, I just haven't been doing anything. And I want to feel your fire, your spirit, zeal, that joy of my salvation in my heart, that power of the Holy Spirit working through me. And you need to come in rededication. Some need to come and put their life and work here. You need to understand that God wants you working in the kingdom. And you have a purpose. That's why he saved you, is for the purpose. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand after I pray. And you come as you need to come. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your message. Lord, I just ask that we'll be obedient. Those that need to make decisions will. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please?